0: Well, this is Graceway Baptist Church, and I'm the pastor, and we are having our midweek service. And since it is a prayer meeting, I uh, am kind of wanting to emphasize something that is coming up in uh, now less than a week. Can you imagine? We've been talking about 2020 being an election year, and uh, boy, the weirdness of 2020 continues even with this uh, freakish ice storm that has come in and uh, just wreaked havoc with all of the trees and all of that kind of stuff around here. It's like the saga continues. And um, so as I think about the elections, who knows you know, what's going to happen, what the outcome will be. Of course, the Lord does. And Romans 13 tells us that he's the one that determines that. But um, we don't know, and so in the meantime, what do we need to do? Well, we need to think about this, and we need to certainly be praying about it. There's a lot at stake. And we've already got riots and stuff like that going on. Um, What in the world could happen depending on the outcome of the election? Or what if the way some people are trying to engineer it, what if we don't know the outcome of the election? for quite some time some of you are old enough to remember what that was like back in the year 2000 between bush and gore and all the hanging chads and dimpled chads and pregnant chads and all of that kind of stuff and um i never knew i would tease chad trench i never knew he was such an important thing but uh Regardless, I think the stakes in some ways are higher now and we're already in such a divided um, and could we say volatile situation that uh, it makes me wonder, is anybody going to be happy on November the 4th with the outcome of the election? Um, I just don't know. But I do know one thing that believers, we have a weapon. That the world doesn't have. And it's the most powerful weapon in the universe. And that is prayer. And it's really not. uh, It's kind of a misnomer. We talk about the power of prayer. It's really not the power of prayer. It's the power of God. And he has called us to pray. And um, I think I'd like for us to take some time to do that. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to be looking in Psalm 27 in just a moment. But uh, before we do that, would you just bow your heads, close your eyes, and just take a moment to breathe a prayer about the elections to our Father. Ask Him to give grace, undeserved favor. That's exactly what it would be, because we don't deserve His blessing. But through the grace of God, give grace to America. And ask Him to give grace and protection To the candidates of course. And uh, ask him to give sanity and clarity to the electorate. And that everything would go smoothly. And um, that he would bless us through all of this to be salt and light as believers. Think about how uh, much is at stake in terms of our credibility and our testimony just as Christians. And we've got to be very careful how we act. We've got to be very careful what we say and what we do during this time. So I'm going to give you just a moment and uh, pour your heart out to God. And then I'll lead us in a word of prayer. And then we will continue on with our Bible study that will be kind of uh, tying in to the uh, situation at hand. Okay? Go ahead and take this to the Lord. Father, as we think about these turbulent times in which we live and they're bewildering times as well. Our desire tonight in this prayer meeting night is to come to you and ask you to help us. To recognize, Lord, that uh, there's so much about all of this that we don't know because we don't know what is in the hearts of people I mean, we do in a general way sin and depravity and all of that. But in a specific way, we don't know what the plans of the enemy are. And we don't know how cooperative humans are going to be and all of that. We don't know what kind of schemes are lurking out there. Uh, we come to you, though, as the omniscient one because you do know. And we're asking, Lord, that you would dispatch angels on behalf of us in our nation We're asking you to fill believers from north to south, east to west. Fill believers with the Holy Spirit. And let believers, born-again believers, be wise as they cast their ballot. And may they do it for the glory of God. And admittedly, Lord, it seems like we've come to a place in this country where sometimes we look at our candidates, especially for president, And uh, maybe for Senate or some of the other offices. And we look and we go, well, I'm not terribly happy with either one. And we seem to be choosing the lesser of two evils and things like that. Help us to understand that uh, that's not just the luck of the draw. You're the one who orchestrates that even. And may we see some of the uh, deficiencies in the candidates and um, in office holders and all of that as a reminder that men and women, boys and girls are all imperfect. We are sinners and we'll never find a perfect candidate. The only hope we have is you. And so we look to you and we ask you to rule and reign over us. Um, and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven without any opposition, without any Uh, regard for any other options just to obey you and if believers would do that I believe that um, we could really make a difference in our land and in this earth and I think a lot of it Lord just comes back to not so much the lost world but it comes back to the lack of faith and the lack of obedience that Christians have please forgive us and cleanse us and give us grace And we pray, Father, that uh, as we come to this election, that as we understand what Romans 13 says and so many other passages of Scripture teach us, that you are in control. We don't give you control. You're already in control. And that you are working this in a way that is going to lead to the return of Jesus Christ. And we do understand that you told us difficult days are going to come. And we want to ask that we might remain faithful and that we might trust you and that you uh, would assure us that you're going to do your will in all of this and give us peace. And let us understand that really who's in the White House is not our main concern. Our main concern is are we submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and do we trust you as we should. So bless this election for your glory and uh, favor our nation, preserve our nation, and give us uh, a president, and give us senators and Congress people, and governors and mayors and city council people, all of those things from top to bottom, people that will help our country and not hurt it, people that will stand for righteousness and integrity, and uh, not against those kind of things. And we pray that you would spare our nation and clean up our nation. And while we pray this, Lord, we do pray that you would revive our church and other churches as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's turn to Psalm 27. Um, Some of you might be sharp enough to go, hey, we've already done that one, and you would be right. I just want to take... um, About three verses out of this. And I want to apply it to the situation as I see it uh, right now. I am a little bit concerned about uh, things in our nation. Um, I'm probably in some ways not as concerned as I ought to be. Because uh, some of this stuff just doesn't interest me. Maybe like it should. And I'm not as uh, informed in certain areas as I should be. I still don't understand some of the things that uh, have kind of popped up in the last few months concerning race and uh, QAnon and all of that kind of stuff. I don't really get that kind of thing. And I don't really fully intend to. I've got enough to do and you do as well you know, to be distracted by a lot of that kind of stuff that seems to be, in my mind, foolishness anyway. Um, there are other things that really do get my attention, and in spite of what I've been preaching and, and what I say, I will freely admit I battle some of the stuff about uh, this election that is coming up. I would like to say I have no concerns and no qualms, and I just fully trust God, but I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing, but I'm not quite there yet. And uh, depending on when you catch me and what I'm thinking about, what I'm concerned about. I have concerns about the survival of our nation and our form of government. And I think about my uh, kids and their spouses. I think about my grandchildren. And I think about what kind of world they're going to grow up in. And what kind of things uh, could happen and how things could change for the worse you know, economically as well as uh, just religious freedom and uh, different things like that, um, you've probably had those concerns as well. And sometimes I fall back on the sovereignty of God and I go, well, all is well, then He'll take care of the situation and He'll take care of them. And then other times I'm not quite as... optimistic I guess you would say about all of that and all of the time I'm preaching to myself practice what you preach believe the word of God and stand in grace and I think a lot of us struggle with this kind of stuff and I think the lost world is struggling with this too I um, think that there are people that whether they are Democrats that are going to be voting and are campaigning and really enthusiastic for uh, Mr. Biden I don't think they're really all that Um, confident in winning and confident that they can pull off what they want to do. And on the other side, for people that uh, are enthusiastic about Mr. Trump, I still think that even though he's attracting bigger rallies and a lot more attention and his, um, his base seems to be more enthusiastic about voting for him, and yet I don't think any of them are just really all of that settled on things. And I think both sides, when you read uh, Facebook posts from liberals and Facebook posts from conservatives, they seem to kind of be concerned about the same thing. If the other guy's elected, it's the end of America as we know it. I don't think anybody is just really you know, all that gung-ho about anybody or anything. You understand what I'm saying? And with this confusion and with this turmoil, and with people being able to um, articulate what they think and what they believe, but not really feel it and not really be assured in it, always a little bit of doubt, I think that that even is something that Christians are facing now. I uh, think about the lack of peace And I think about just the way people are feeling and I just have to say, I don't believe that's God's will for the children of God. When the Bible says things about giving rest to His people and rest, perfect peace to those whose mind is stayed upon Him, I don't see very many people like that. And um, I want to experience more of that all of us as Christians, we have times when we experience that. You would agree with that. But probably not the way we ought to and not as much as we ought to experience it. And uh, that peace that passes understanding, where is that? The peace that Jesus gives, that he promised, that he said he doesn't give as the world gives, wh- wh- where is that? And where are the peace-filled or peace-full believers today Um, I think we would have a lot of impact if we could truly say we have that perfect peace Um, back a long time ago now some of you remember uh, Andre Crouch he is the um, African-American singer songwriter Uh, he's with the Lord now but um, he wrote my tribute and the blood will never lose its power a lot of songs that have become very popular But uh, I thought of one just this morning. Here are the lyrics. He said, When trouble is in my way, and I can't tell my night from day when I'm tossed from side to side like a ship on a raging tide, I don't worry, I don't fret, my God has never failed me yet. Troubles come from time to time, but that's all right, I'm not the worrying kind. And here's the chorus, because I've got confidence, confidence, God is going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know he's going to fix it for me. Um, That type of thing is something that is very easy to sing, isn't it? Very easy to talk about and to proclaim, especially in a church service. And we all say amen. And I think sometimes our amen comes because, well, we do believe it. We do believe it and we're affirming it. But I think a lot of times it's more about, that's what I want. That's what I wish I had. In Psalm 27, David is facing a life-threatening situation. I mean, it seems like when does he not face these kind of things? And he says in verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this... I will be, and then he says this wonderful word, confident. Even in this situation, I'm going to remain confident. Now, um, first of all, I want to talk to you about the reason for confidence. Because just as the word of God doesn't change, and God doesn't change, and God's principles do not change, then the situation David was in, And where he found himself, that doesn't change for us as well. The people of God can always go to the same well and drink deeply of the same waters and find them to be refreshing and clear and pure and cool and exactly what we need. And so David was drinking from the same well of grace that we're drinking from as well. So his reason would also be our reason as well. Let's talk about it. The reason for David's confidence here is he says, the Lord, I mean, that's really it. He's not confident in his economy, in his army, in his chariots. He's not confident in his generals or anything like that. And they may have all been very confident, very good, and very satisfying. There's nothing wrong with those things. But that's not really the reason for his confidence. And so he tells us right here, in the very beginning of this, in verse 1, he says, the Lord. I mean, that really settles it. The Lord is my light. That's the first thing that describes the Lord here. And my salvation, that's the second thing. Then he asks the question, whom shall I fear? And then he makes a third affirmation about the Lord, that he is the the strength of my life. That word could also be translated a stronghold or a fortress of my life. We tend, uh, sometimes because of what we've heard people say about warfare and the devil building strongholds, we think of a stronghold as being negative. No, it's it just means a fortress. And the Lord has his strongholds. The enemy has his strongholds. And David describes the Lord in these particular ways he is light. You know, light clarifies things. Light gives you confidence. If you uh uh I don't know, let's say you're staying at a friend's house and uh you're in a different place, you're not at home and you are sleeping and then you get up in the middle of the night because you need to go to the restroom or check on kids or something like that. When you first get up, sometimes you have to kind of get your bearings a little bit because you're not sure where the wall is. You're not exactly sure where the door is. And uh, so maybe you use, sometimes I do, I use my phone and uh, we'll try to, you know, kind of see it. And then I go, okay, now I know where I am. And, don't always need the phone for the whole thing. I just need it to figure out exactly where I am and exactly where that door might be so I don't run into a wall or make noise or anything like that. Uh, light can be a clarifier. Uh, the Bible talks about that. The scripture is a lamp unto our feet, it's a light unto our path. And the Bible is not always this great big. Light that shows us everything specifically about the future, next week, next month or anything. But there is enough light, the lamp unto your feet, to show you where you can take your next step. It's a light to your path because it shows you the pitfall for that next step and, and what's right in front of you. Uh, It clarifies those type of things. Now, obviously, through prophecy and through principles for living, there are some things. If you read through Proverbs pretty regularly, you'll find that the Bible will tell you, you know, do this and you'll live and you'll do well. Uh, Don't do this and you're going to have problems and trials and troubles that you're not going to be able to handle I mean there are some things that we can see the future and kind of predict what's going to happen in the future there's prophecy that is in the Bible but generally it's day to day step by step light for what we need and David says that the Lord is my light When you have those times when the enemy is attacking, you have those times when you don't understand the culture, you don't understand people, you don't understand their thinking, you don't understand their motives, you don't understand their heart, when it seems to be dark, well, a little bit of light can make a big difference. David says, the Lord is my light. Light also denotes holiness, doesn't it? Um, We think about uh, darkness being evil and light, being holy, we are walking in the light. The uh, book of First John talks about that, walking in the light, those type of things. So you get the idea. The Lord is the light in these dark times. And that's what you and I need to understand and need to remember. People and circumstances and situations, it's good when we can have them all line up in a positive way and in a way that makes sense. But even then, don't put your confidence in them. But the Lord is the light. He also, David says, the Lord is my salvation. And by salvation, uh, sometimes we read those things in the Old Testament, particularly in a New Testament context. And sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Because David did not think about salvation In terms of walking an aisle. Taking a pastor by the hand. Repeating a sinner's prayer. Or anything like that. Like we tend to think of. David is not thinking in terms of I was on my way to hell, now all of a sudden I've received the righteousness of Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, and that type of thing. Most generally, when you read in the Old Testament the word salvation, it's a. Uh, we, it can be translated, the Lord is my deliverer. I was in a bad way, I was in a... A horrible way, a hopeless way, a helpless way. Maybe in a battle. Maybe I was starving to death. Maybe I was in the lion's den or something like that. And the Lord delivered me or he saved me, they might say in Hebrew. He's my salvation. And David is making reference here to the Lord being light and being a deliverer. How many times had Saul thrown a spear at David... And yet, for some inexplicable reason, he missed. How many times did Saul, as he was searching for David in all of the caves, with all of the resources of the government and the military, how many times did Saul capture David? Well, he didn't, did he? And the Lord delivered David out of those situations. And we can go on and on with David's life. And the Lord delivers his people. And sometimes we don't even know when he does it or how he does it. Because he is also a stronghold. He is our fortress. We hide in him. We are safe in him. We are secure in him. Just like maybe you've watched a, a war movie where maybe the cavalry or Uh, the infantry or something they need to run back to the fort and they get inside and close the gates and now they are safe it's that type of thing we run to the Lord and we are safe of course because we are in the Lord the reason for confidence is simply the Lord who he is and what he is and we need to understand that who's in the white house is not going to save your life and who is in Congress is not going to do that. We've got to look above and beyond. It's nice when wise people and, and good people and godly people are in positions of authority. Uh, even Proverbs talks about that. But we need to understand the most important thing is to have trust in the Lord. Number two, the result of that confidence. Whom shall I fear? And confidence in God's promises. Confidence uh, in the Lord comes when we, well, we need to make a comparison of God and the enemy. And when we see the power and the greatness of God and the limitations of the enemy, we come to the same conclusion. Why am I afraid of them? Whom shall I fear? Nothing compares to our God. We need to contrast them. Only God is good and he's good in everything, even the scene and the unseen and you can never make deals with the enemy you can never say well maybe if we cross our fingers act just right and uh, don't stir up the enemy maybe they won't bother us no they are always after you and they're always evil and they always want to destroy the the things of God and so we need to see that whether it is easy to trust god or whether we pay a price when we do it it's always good to do it and the result of that is the kind of confidence that says whom shall i fear number three the reality now we need to understand that in spite of our confidence in spite of our faith david makes this statement the wicked came against me and they're always going to They're always, always, always going to. We are in a battle and we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And uh, they don't go away and they don't quit. They may give you a little reprieve or they may back off and make you think that they've left. But they haven't. They're still watching and they're still waiting. And David, here he was expressing this confidence in the Lord. And yet he still talks about the wicked... Came against me. We need to be ready for that. We need to be ready that about the time we really sell out to the Lord. About the time we really are trusting in him. Get ready for an attack. Marines will tell you that whenever they take a hill. Or they take a position. The first thing they do after they win that battle. Is set up a hasty defense. Because they have learned that over the centuries of their um, expertise and their experience in battle that you're most vulnerable after you win a victory we need to learn that as believers it's about the time we really come to this mountaintop experience with God Or if you think about what we're studying on Sunday mornings in Exodus, it's about the time we come through the Red Sea and sing and dance and celebrate the victory of the Lord that all of a sudden we find ourselves being tested once again and being attacked once again like they were with the bitter water situation. Well, this is the way the enemy works. And David knew that. Confidence in the Lord will win battles for you because faith is the victory that overcomes the world, That's what the hymn said. But remember, that's based on Scripture. And understand, though, that it will not prevent the battles. God gives you faith, and God builds your faith to prepare you for another battle so that you can be victorious in that. It doesn't always prevent the battles. And then fourthly, notice here that the rest that the confidence brings and that's what we really want we want to be able to rest in the Lord because we have confidence in him he says my heart shall not fear now the circumstances may be bad there may be an attack. The enemy may be coming against David, but he said, "Here's the thing: while I've got my armor on, and while I am taking a war footing, and while I am watching, and while I am planning, and while we are scheming and and uh, anticipating what the enemy is going to do, and getting ready for all of that, my heart is not afraid. There's no panic." No panic and all of that. There may be urgency, and it may be that they are working and they've got to work now. You've got to go now. You've got to attack now. You've got to defend now. You've got to pay attention now. There may be that type of thing, but there's no fear, David says. No panic. My heart shall not fear. Because rest comes. From the inside. You know you can have everything to be perfect. The perfect temperature. uh, The perfect meal. You can have the perfect setting in your family. And in your home. And still not be able to sleep. And some people say well I just can't shut my brain off. That is a 21st century expression. That is the opposite of what David says. David says my heart shall not fear. In other words it's at rest. He could shut his brain off when he needed to. He was calm. He was confident when he was doing. Because it comes from the inside. Jesus talked about rest for your souls. That's the promise of Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me. And I think that's lost or saved, people. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find Here you go. Rest for your souls. A peaceful, peaceful, restful, calm and unfearful heart. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as you get ready to vote, and you should, that's your stewardship. As you watch other people vote, See, I'm not really concerned about my vote. I am a little concerned about some of the bozos in line with me, right? How are these people going to vote? And what are they going to do? And are they going to mess up our country? And what's going to happen? And what's the future going to be? I can get myself worked up into a tizzy, can't you? And yet I find that that's not the will of God. And that's not the way we ought to approach it. Take it seriously? Yeah. In fact, I'm going to say this. I think that on November 3rd, just a few days from now, when I go in to cast my vote, I am seeing that as a battle and even as spiritual warfare. And I want to be on the right side. And I want to take a stand for righteousness. And I want to be counted for righteousness. Not just for now, but as I mentioned earlier, thinking about the future. But I don't want to do any of that thinking that it all depends upon me. Or if it doesn't go my way, it's the end of everything as we know it. It may feel that way. And there may be some things that really do change. But when you understand what David saw and you had that same peace, if you will drink from the same well that he drank from, you'll have rest for your soul as well. And that's what I want for you, regardless of what happens whether we're rejoicing or whether we're sad and depressed, I want us to end up standing with peaceful hearts, unafraid of the future, because our faith and our trust and our confidence is in the Lord. May God grant it. And I pray that you experience that for the glory of God and for the proclamation of the gospel. People are watching. And people want to see the strength of God in you and in me. May God grant that they do. Thank you so much for tuning in. I pray these things are a blessing to you and pray that your soul has been fed and that your eyes have been turned to the Lord and that you fix your gaze upon him because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now run with endurance and God bless you.